please just talk us through a little bit about the Alma Resort. Congratulations on being named amongst the world's most Instagrammable hotels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, our resort is basically a statement to the new Vietnam. Hello, my name is Renee Leith Manos. Welcome to this podcast, Where To From Here. My producer was saying I should lead with saying good morning, Vietnam, like Robin Williams. What do you think? <laughs> I'll give it yeah, a go. But then, but then you have to say, then you have to say like he does, you know, you have to sing. I know. <laughs> well, good morning, Vietnam, and good morning, Herbert. It's great to be speaking with you. <laughs> good morning, Renee. <laughs> Now, I want to know, what is your passion with Vietnam? You have gone backwards and forwards. You have worked in more hotels than any of us, our producers, could get our heads around. But you keep going back to Vietnam. Where we're speaking to you from today, why is that? Uh, when I came the first time to Vietnam, it was in 2008. In December 2008, I was transferred by GHM, which uh, at that time ran the Nam Hai, which is a, a very famous uh, beach resort in uh, Hoi An, now managed by Four Seasons. And I was transferred from, uh, from GHM. And uh, when I came here, I must tell you, I felt immediately attached to the country. Uh, I, I remember vividly, and I have told this many times, the story. Um, I was at the reception and I get a call from one of my GM colleagues and she asked me, so Herbert, how is it? Yeah, how, how do you like it? I said, Clara, I feel like a fish in the water. This country is just made for me. I feel so happy, you cannot imagine. And, and, uh, and I found out why, why I like it because it's, of course, it's because of the people. Yeah? In my opinion, wherever you go, the people are always the most important. Yeah? I too share your love of Vietnam. And for me, yeah. it's the sounds. There's something about the sounds, the musical instruments, with this, which they seem to play a lot in places like Hoi An, that beautiful yeah. uh, little Vietnamese city with no cars. It's the smells. There's always what cooking and the Vietnamese food is magnificent. Mm, that's true, yeah. yeah and the yeah. smell and the warmth, it just envelopes mm. you, right, when you step off the aeroplane. Yeah, and when you are in the big cities, like in Hanoi or in Ho Chi Minh City, when you have the street vendors and they're out in the streets and when they sit there and they eat their soup in the morning and in the afternoon, the banh mi and the coffee shops where they sit and smoke and chit chat a little bit. It, it's very, it, it has, a, it has a, an, an enormous energy that, oh, that, that, that really fascinates me. Yeah. And you so, took over the beautiful Alma Hotel in May 2020. I mean, that was basically right when the pandemic broke out. So what does that mean for you? Oh, wow. It's, it's the first time, of course, in my life that I have to open and close and open and close. When we opened the hotel, we officially opened, actually, it was not in May, it was in December 2019. Yeah? I mean, as hard as it, as it sounds, uh, and it has, as hard as it, as it is, there is always uh, a positive side when you, when you reopen again, because it's a little bit like uh, playing a football match. Yeah? You play the first 45 minutes, and then you have, then you make an experience. What, what, what do you learn in the first 45 minutes? Then you come into the locker room and the coach then gives you some advice yeah, and say, okay, next time you do this and you do that, we have 10, 10 15 minutes to rest and then we go out for the second half. And, and tell back, me, yeah. you're the coach, so to speak, to use your yeah. sporting analogy of so many staff at this huge new property. What are you telling your staff in the locker room every time you lock down? What are you teaching them? What are you learning from this pandemic? I have to... Uh, send a positive message. Uh, Vietnam is not like Europe, Australia, or America, where you have a lot of uh, support from the government. Yeah, some some people there are at home; they have literally no money, nothing. 
about a month ago, we signed up with an Australian e-learning company called Tipsy. Uh, interesting company. Uh, this company provides e-learning for all our managers and for all our staff. Uh, they call them like playlists, a little bit like uh, Spotify or Netflix. So you can, you can select uh, specific trainings for a specific position. Like a barman learns how to mix cocktails, uh, how to how to like, almost like a barista course, how to do a better cappuccino, a better espresso than before. But there are also other courses which you can access. So even if you're a barman, you you have the you have the right and you have the possibility to learn uh, what the reception does. Uh, a chambermaid can can learn what the barman does, and the barman can learn what the housekeeping manager is doing. Yeah, so we, with education, we can we can keep them going because Vietnam has a very young population, as you know, and they're very keen to learn, to develop their, their skills. So that's what we basically do at the moment. And please just talk us through a little bit about the Alma Resort. Congratulations on being named amongst the world's most Instagrammable hotels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our resort is basically a statement to the new Vietnam. If you, if you think of Vietnam, you always see... An, you see the French Quarter, you see Halong Bay, you see Saigon, and you always see somewhere in the picture a beautiful young girl with long black hair with the conical head on a rusty bicycle driving over the rice field. That right. is in our image. Yeah? But now you have also different hotels. Uh, and these hotels are, how can I say, a sign of the development of Vietnam. We are bold, we are large, we are strong, we are young, we are fresh. We, we really, really present the young Vietnam with the strong young population who wants to move into the next level of the, of, of the country. We don't want to go backwards. Yeah? Magnificent. And look, we read that in the research, um, my producer found that you started your career in hospitality at 10, working in your parents' hotel? In Austria? Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I always say it. I started at ten because my father made me uh, made me a bellboy. And other and other uh, friends and colleagues from my school went on holiday with the parents. I could never go on holiday. I always had to work in my parents' guest house, and I was I was the one who had to open the door yeah, and and welcome the guest and say goodbye to the guest. And if I wouldn't smile and if I wouldn't say it properly good morning, auf Wiedersehen, yeah, guten Tag, auf Wiedersehen, my father would hit me on the head, yeah. And I remember once the guest asked me, Robert, what do you want to become when you're older? You want to become a farmer or you want to become a, a hotelier? I always said I want to become a farmer. Yeah? Really? Because yeah. I, I really, really like this feeling with my uncle on the farm, going out, cut the grass, take care of the cows. And we really had like, old McDonald had a farm. We had everything on our farm. We had sheep, we had goats, we had chicken, we had horses. We had... But later... Later, I realized, okay, maybe farming is not the most exciting job. So I became a very passionate hotelier, yeah, I must two say. Two sides of the coin, two very different sides of life, right? Yeah, yeah. You know Europe very well and the European psyche when it comes to five-star travel. Mm -hmm. But do you think people are going to want to travel again? What, what's your feeling? Definitely they want to travel because uh, traveling is, is, is so important for our development, for our our well-being because we we want we want to go to another place we want to see we want to learn something new that for me is absolutely certain and so where would you like to go uh, when things actually do open up where to from here for you on a personal level uh, for sure the first the first flight i will take to see my family in vienna i have to i have two grandchildren there i want to see my mother i want to I want to eat the, diff, the typical Austrian food in my favorite restaurants there. I must have a Sacha cake. 
in the Hotel Saha, mm, and a nice cappuccino, I must have this, yeah. And then I want to go to the mountains, which I miss, yeah. Uh, to Munich maybe, and uh, I don't know if, if the beer festival, the Oktoberfest is on when, when I travel, but that would be something I would really, really love to visit as well. Many places, yeah, many places. And of course, because I live in Asia for such a long time, my, my, my dream is always to go back to Europe, to see, to see the culture there, to see the cities, to eat the food, to see my family, to see my friends, and also to see different air. You said when, when you come to Vietnam, you, you, you can smell the, the culture in the, in the streets, you smell the food, yeah, you see, sometimes it's maybe a little bit disorganized, but this is also part of the, of the experience. But I like to go to places where I have a cool, fresh air in the mountains, where I can see snow, yeah. That's I really, really long. Wow. Sounds like you're really missing Austria and you have a very strong connection to your family there. Yeah, I have. I have. Uh, and uh, But now, now I'm married to a Vietnamese. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and so the good thing is now I can combine the two worlds in one year. I have, I have my family in Austria. I have my love to my country. I also love Vietnam a lot because Vietnam has given me many, many good things. Don't you think that as human beings, part of the traveling experience is we're sort of built to want what we don't have, which is what you're describing? You know, because we are curious by nature. Yeah? And the more curious you are, I always have the feeling the more, the more uh, intelligent you will become because uh, you have to fulfill your, your dream. What's around the corner? What's in the next country? What's on the next page? When I read a book, when I watch a series on Netflix, I can't wait to go to the next episode of Homeland because I'm so, so, I'm so hooked to it. Yeah. So we, we are curious by nature. And uh, that's, that's basically could be one of the reasons why travel will never stop because we, we, want, we want to learn more things. We want to see more things. Absolutely. Can you tell us the story about Prince in the hotel in Dusseldorf? Yeah, this is a very funny story because when the manager came, um, they said, okay, he likes to have his suite very warm. Yeah, At that time, the, the hotel didn't have any air condition. We have normal heaters like central heating. Yeah, but we couldn't put as many heaters as the manager wanted in this suite because then the fuse would go because they used a lot of electricity and the normal sockets, they were just there for, for the lights and, and not for heater. So what we did, so we said, okay, then let's bring in the cable from the neighbor's suite. This was a suite with a connecting door. So we go into the connecting door and we, we plug in more portable heaters, but then we completely forgot that when we leave the suite, there was like a central switch, all the electricity goes. So we, we plug in the heater, but then there's no electricity. So they didn't heat, okay? okay? We came back about two hours later and it was still not warm enough. I have a very nice story about Michael Jackson. Uh, when Michael Jackson came to Frankfurt, I worked at the Kempinski in Frankfurt. The best place for, for, for celebrities, especially when you're into rock music, was the Kempinski Frankfurt, because there's the Waldstadion is around the corner. And this is always a place when, when, when the big bands and, and the stars, when they go on a Europe tour, when they come to Germany, they play always in Frankfurt. And I was a very young assistant manager and I was the assistant of the general manager and he said to me Herbert you are in charge of Michael Jackson okay but I remember one thing yeah that um, I had I had to go and get him from his suite he was in three in suite 312 a corner suite yeah it was actually the residential suite and uh, and his father was outside and before he came he said but Herbert do me a favor he is very shy don't look into his eyes yeah when you see him, you just look down, okay? And then he comes out and I walk ahead with the, with the bodyguards and we go into the elevator 
And I really, really wanted to look into his eyes. I didn't want to oblige to his father <laughs> yeah, looking his eyes. He really was very shy. He looked away. Huh? Not, not, not like you and I know when, when you look into our, into our eyes. So this was very interesting. He, and then he went to the concert. Yeah? And uh, because many of the fans waiting outside. Yeah? And uh, so, they, so they call me. The concert is over. So they call me. How are you coming? Uh, how many fans are there? I said, yeah, there are lots of fans. That don't use the main entrance. Uh, I will wait outside, okay, and I will wave, and then you follow me, and I run in front of you, and I bring you to the back. I, I will bring you up from there. Yeah. And uh, when the car came, everyone realized it must be Michael Jackson in the car, and they were all running after the car. And I, I was really, really well trained at that time. I was only 25 years old. I was half marathon runner, play squash every weekend, and I ran like, like, like mad in front of the car. And, and, and they couldn't follow us because we were running, running so fast and then we'd bring him quickly up. He, he was not worried because nothing could have happened, but he just didn't want to be bothered, you know. He said, okay, I'm tired. I want to come home to my hotel and sleep and have a good rest there. Yeah. But the best story, uh, I really have another one. And okay, I love like, it, I love it. The best story is the one with Queen Elizabeth. <sighs> I love this story. I even tell this story to Prince Charles. Yeah. And when I when I worked at Claridge's in London, and you know Claridge's, they're also called Clarendon, like the second Buckingham Palace. Because if there is something really, really interesting going on, the royal family always comes to Claridge's. Right. Um, there was the 50th or the 60th birthday of King Constantine from Greece. Yeah. And when the queen came to the king, even the queen did the bow and, and I was standing on a, on, on a little balcony and, and I looked down and I watched, I watched everything, how it worked. Okay? So the king brought Queen Elizabeth into this room and I am about 10, 10 meters away. Yeah? And I say to myself, she is not very young. Yeah? I, I think she was already 60, 65 at that time. Maybe, maybe she will need a chair. Yeah? And I look around where I can see a chair. Yeah? And you cannot believe it. it was so wonderful. Suddenly, the king says, oh, your majesty, you look a little bit tired. Can we have a chair? And I like Superman, zoop, zoop. I take the chair. Your majesty, your chair. And I gave the queen the chair. <laughs> Love it. And when Prince Charles, when he came to my hotel in Austria, and he said, yeah, where have you been working before? And I said, hey, I worked in London. I worked at Claridge's. And I saw you many times. Say, well, Alice, you came. Uh, I didn't really mention Lady Diana because I thought it was a little bit inappropriate because when he came, Lady Diana was, was still his wife. And I right. said, and I recall you came there with your family and with your mother uh, to celebrate the birthday of King, of King Constantinople from Greece, yeah? Ah, yes, yes, you were there. Yeah, I, I, was, I was like a head waiter at that time, yeah? And, uh, and, and I have to tell you a nice story about your mother, yeah? Tell me. And I tell him the story about the chair. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like it? Oh, he had to laugh. Yeah, he was very, he said, oh, good on you. Very nice. Thank you for helping my mother. <laughs> How wonderful. Well, the, the Crown, the series on Netflix has really brought the royal family to the forefront, I think, globally. Mm -hmm. And I think the respect, yeah. I personally always love the royals and especially the Queen, but I think now more than ever, um, certainly people living in the Commonwealth, we really, really value you know, the royal family. Yeah. I, I, ne I never realized this because when I came as a young man, I was 25, 26, I came to England and when I worked at Claridge's, I couldn't understand, you know, I couldn't understand that people would wait 24 hours in the rain in the night in a sleeping bag in front of Buckingham Palace, only to have a glance of Prince Charles and Lady Diana in the, in the coach when they, they go to the cathedral 
for, for the wedding. But after, after I worked there for a while, I realized what it means for all the British people. Yeah? So I also became a little bit like a royal fan, I must say. Yeah? Do, you, do you have special training to deal with royals, to deal with celebrities? How, how do you train staff to do that? If you, if you have a lot, then definitely you need someone who, who has experience in England as a butler. Yeah? There are special butler schools who can do that. And Claridge's, what a place to work. I love the bar downstairs. I always oh, try and nice. fit in a, a lovely glass nice. of champagne with a good friend yeah. in that bar, right? Wonderful hotel, yeah. Really, really nice. And oh, I believe I that was... you're also a fan of another of my favourite London hotels, which is the Dorchester. Oh, wow. <laughs> the Dorchester, yeah, the Dorchester. This one, this one is another story, Renee. I, I, I cannot tell you this story because I, I could only tell you the story when, when you and I, we are somewhere. We already know it. We, we already know the story. <laughs> we know. <laughs> but we won't mention it here because we're going to have to wrap things up. We just wanted to know where to from here for you. You're waiting for the lockdown. Just talk us through where to from here for you now. I think first. Not, not just for Vietnam, in general, in Southeast Asia, you will have to wait a little bit until you will be able to travel to Southeast Asia, probably another six, maybe nine months. And we can only uh, welcome guests back to Vietnam once we have a higher vaccination rate. Uh, and because guests will say, okay, I want to have the feeling that I'm on holiday, yeah, but I also want to have the feeling that I'm in a safe environment. So hotels, which are large in space, where there is a lot of space between your villa and the other villa. And I think that these hotels who have these places, they will have a benefit. And I agree, but things are changing, there's no doubt. But look, Herbert, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for taking time out of your day to speak to us in Vietnam. And we really hope to see you soon. Yes, uh, and thank you very much, Renee, for giving me the opportunity. I wish you... All the best with your series. It sounds very interesting. And uh, thank you for allowing me to be part of this wonderful uh, podcast. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't forget to subscribe here and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for regular travel updates. You can also hear our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.